0: Beware the Redwood Bureau, a secret organization which captures and researches creatures and objects that defy explanation. Their reckless procedures have led to countless innocent lives lost. I am Agent Conroy. I worked for the Redwood Bureau, but I have escaped them to leak their reports to the unsuspecting public. You have the right to know. The red, it was expar- Redwood Bureau Report 1991 Stagus. RBP Report 1991 initiated. The following report was retrieved from the victim's home office in the days following his disappearance. Local law enforcement disregarded his words and chalked his sudden leave up to mental instability. The man's wife released the document to a few local groups, and out of desperation, his account made it into the hands of Redwood Bureau. A new instance of 1991 appears to be the driving force behind his sudden leave. 1991 is a subcutaneous parasite known for extremely seamless manipulation of a wide range of large hosts. Mr. Holbrook provides excellent documentation of first contact and the entire length of his encounter with 1991, known as Stegus. Stegus' manipulation of a host has been demonstrated to give it lasting knowledge from the host, such as calls and migration routes, but also manipulation of the physical form. Changes in eye color, dental structure, and additional appendages are the most commonly observed physical abnormalities. Changes in temperament are seen in almost every stagus case, with the host becoming more brazen and unilaterally more aggressive.
1: Speeding down the two-lane country road that I live on, I always watch the edges of the woods. More nights than I can count, I've seen groups of deer casually crossing the pavement. Every time I grind to a halt, They lazily turn their heads and stare down my brights as if I'm interrupting their evening stroll. Oftentimes it's a mama with three or four awkward fawns in tow, who usually mimic her indignant look before sauntering after her into the trees. Around the time it started getting cold, two familiar orbs shone through the darkness from the drainage ditch along the edge of the road. I slowed down, and in uncut grass, the body of a deer peered back at me. It's not an uncommon sight, but usually they're not completely tossed into the ditch either. Every night on my way home, I looked for it. Usually, the county comes by and takes care of it. But this one sat. It sat through our snow flurries that teased a white Christmas without delivery. Heavy rains that saw the ditches filled to their limit with water washed over it. The scientist in me was fascinated. How fast would decomposition take with these conditions? Might it be an easy source of bones for my artist friends? I kept an eye on it as I drove by. Slowly over a few weeks, it was worse for the wear. The degradation was noticeable, but not remarkable. One night, about two weeks after I first noticed it, a flicking white tail and when I got closer, the whole hindquarter of a large adult deer was in the road. It nosed at its fallen compatriot, then took a look at me. It looked at me, right into my eyes. It was odd, but much like the carcass in the ditch, not odd enough for a second thought. The next night it was alone again, but a hole about the size of a pie pan gaped in the side of it, up towards the starry sky. Coyotes would do that. Or perhaps turkey buzzards. I made a mental note and went along my way. A few hours later, I was washing dishes and staring out into the darkness of my backyard. I almost threw a glass when the motion light for my patio kicked on, turning half of my yard into a well-lit field of green from the inky blackness. I squinted and studied, trying to find what caused the lights to kick on and on the periphery of the light I could see the thin legs of multiple deer saunter through my yard and into the bordering woods. I had a sudden pang in my stomach not too long after they crossed my yard. My brain agreed with my stomach. A milkshake was in order. If I hurried, I could get one before everything in our small town closed. I grabbed my hoodie and keys and went on my way. As I neared where my little experiment rested, I noticed more white tails flicking in the opposite lane. I slowed down to make sure no one came in my lane, but my focus was getting my milkshake. On the way home though, they were still there. Even more of them had gathered than when I passed mere minutes before. I came to a full stop, angling my car slightly so my headlights hit the cadaver. The eyes still lit up when hit by my headlights. But so did a dozen other pairs of eyes. Pairs of eyes that hovered over maroon-stained mouths that ripped and pulled the old rancid flesh from the fallen. Their long faces slowly rose from their meal and stared through my windshield. I flashed my brights, hoping to release them from their daze and they'd move out of the way. The one closest to my car stomped its hoof once before taking a single step towards the car. I laid into the horn, despite being within earshot of nearby homes. In two bounds, the deer was standing on the hood, its head hanging low and pressed to the windshield. Staring eye to eye with me, it grunted and tapped its head against the glass. I shifted into reverse. The beast snarled and flashed teeth much too sharp for an herbivore. I hit the gas hard and let off, making the undulate tumble to the pavement. It wobbled and its head rose back up into view from the hood of my car. The front legs dangled from the shoulders. The fur and skin on those dangling limbs looked to be rolled down like knee high socks after a long day, bunched near the hooves. It was close enough to my headlights for me to see the sickly gray skin, spotted with black and darker gray circles. The only thing I could process at the time was that it looked like the arms from a skinny man, emaciated, just enough muscle left under the skin to give it the absolute minimum definition to be identifiable. Its head waved back and forth as if trying to escape an unseen spiderweb. Every flex of its neck sent a loud wet crack that was audible through my closed windows and over the blasting heat of my car. When the monstrosity threw its head up towards the moon, I jammed my foot on the gas and reversed at least a quarter mile until there was a driveway I could turn around in. They didn't give chase, but an ocean of golden glowing eyes watched me until well after my headlights could no longer hit them. I had to drive around the long way to get to my house. Large snowflakes began to batter my windshield. In the ten minutes it took to get home, my driveway was already dusted with a layer of snow. A lone set of hoof prints curved across, revealing the blacktop underneath. I immediately checked my surroundings, but the darkness concealed most of it. I glanced back down at the prints, and if it hadn't been for their small numbers, I would have assumed it was two sets. One pair faced forward, the other reverse. The only explanation my mind could come up with was the deer that mounted my car. I hurried for the door and locked it behind me. The locked door and latched windows gave me the security to sit up in bed and watch a movie with my wife. Every couple of minutes, the front yard would light up with the yellow light of the security lights. Feral cats, raccoons, maybe even a fox. I surveyed the yard carefully, looking for the rascal responsible. Predictably, I didn't see anything. Animals of the night are sly. I could see long, drug-out tracks through the thin coat of snow. The thin sliver of moon in the sky cast just enough light that I could see odd, shadowy, quadrupled figures in the distance, trudging along the road and curving into trees in a sloppy single file. I took a deep breath to ward away the thoughts of the herd that was gathered at the cadaver. I'll call animal control in the morning, I said aloud. Why? My wife asked. Those deer are acting weird, I said, gesturing to the road. I don't see any deer. They're probably just restless because of how warm it's been. I don't know. I saw them eating a dead deer earlier. That can't be normal, can it? She shrugged and looked out the window from our bed. I don't see any deer out there, she said incredulously. They're kind of out in the road. I could just see some shadows stumbling by in the moonlight, honestly. Just make sure they have your name and not mine, so they don't think I'm a loon. She winked. Being married to a loon makes you a loon by association. She drifted off to sleep before the movie was even over. I didn't want to tell her about the deer jumping on the hood, but it stayed in the back of my mind. It had more than disdain for my presence. It had a palpable hatred for my very existence. I called off the next morning. I was too tired to drive all the way into the office. I called Animal Control shortly after my wife left for the office. Before I was done with my coffee, a knock came from the front door. Morning, I'm Scooter from Animal Control. A scruffy and stocky man greeted me from our tiny stoop. You called Animal Control, yeah? I sure did. Last night I came up on at least eight or nine deer, eating a dead one up on the road in the ditch. That's a little odd, but they're not strictly herbivores, he said with a shrug. Scooter, one of them mounted my hood and looked like it wanted to hurt me, I added, pointing over to my car in the driveway. Also, they were starting to congregate here last night. They had real weird gates and avoided the light like the plague. I bet their tracks are still in the snow. He took a few steps out into the grass and looked around, thumbs hooked on the bibs of his overalls. He nodded his head and tutted to himself in thought.
0: Those are without a doubt deer tracks, he said to me.
1: It's almost like they were jumping through. These prints all face different directions. There might be some up the road picking at the dead one. Could it be like mad deer disease or something? I asked genuinely. Scooter Belly laughed like a red-bearded Santa. It
0: could be chronic wasting disease, which is kind of like that. Did they look gangly?
1: Were they wobbly? They seemed pretty nimble and sturdy to me, I replied without hesitation. We walked up the ditch line along my little two-lane road. It was too cold for there to be a smell, but after about two city blocks worth of walking, the crimson of the back haunch stood out from the snow like a sore thumb. Buzzards had gathered near it. Two were picking at the fetid flesh. Others stood in the road as if on guard, and a few loomed nearby in the bare trees.
0: Get out of here, he
1: said loudly with a cold, flat tone. The large black birds flapped and cleared the way, but stayed uncomfortably close, perching just feet away on the line of trees immediately behind the deer. The rear, upward leg was completely gone and appeared to be hollowed out in the abdominal cavity. Due to the cold and how long it had been out, the smell of death was curiously absent. Scooter leaned in and quietly whispered, What in the blue hell is going on in there? I crouched with him and leaned towards the red and black void. The noise that leaked from the wound was similar to the light clacking of a keyboard in the distance. He picked up a small branch from nearby and gave me a curious glance. Curiosity disregarded the thought of a small fox or raccoon bursting forth, and I gave him a shrug accompanied by a nod of approval. He reached out with what appeared to be an uncharacteristically shaky hand. The wobbling stick started audibly tapping against something after it was no longer visible. I watched his face twist and pale as he used the branch like a feeler to try to discern what was inside. Bones? I asked, hopefully. He shook his head, dashing my optimism. He slowly withdrew the stick and stood up, clearing his throat with a cough. It's bumpy,
0: like it's filled with baseballs.
1: What, tumors? I speculated. He opened his mouth to speak, but a new sound erupting from the cavernous cadaver interrupted him like the pages of a thousand books cascading down upon each other. We both turned our heads to face the noise. A single red stag beetle flew out clumsily. We both let out a contentious sigh that doubled as a single note of nervous laughter. As if on cue, hundreds of the large insects lumbered and flew from the crevice.
0: Oh hell,
1: Scooter yelled with a thick southern accent. A mountain of a man in his own right. He was in the middle of the road before I took a single step. My instincts had me swatting the large beetles off and away from my face in lieu of flight. They poured from the opening for a solid minute in numbers that you would never find together in nature. One of Scooter's massive paws grabbed my arm and jerked me into the road.
0: What kind of bump in the night bullcrap do you have going
1: on out here? He growled, bearing his full accent, blue eyes watching the last of the beetles vacate the corpse over my shoulder. I've never seen that many of those beetles, I replied, genuinely bewildered by the circumstances. I looked back at the quiet scene in the ditch to confirm that the beetle's display had halted, and when I turned back, I saw the tree line on the other side of the road. It sat back off the road further, but I could see them watching us. A dozen deer, gangly, standing dead still amongst the trees, all eyes on the two of us. A scooter? I stammered, gesturing with my head to the woods behind him. He snapped his neck to look over his shoulder and exhaled with a nervous laugh. You weren't kidding around, he acknowledged quietly. That's a whole herd. I nearly gagged when the smell of rot
2: and death wafted across the road. This episode is sponsored by The Dead Files from Travel Channel. If you're listening to anything on the Eerie Cast Network, odds are you love ghost stories. That's why I think you'll love The Dead Files from Travel Channel. Join hosts Amy Allen and Steve Deshavi as they investigate paranormal activity haunting real people and homes across the U.S. Each host offers a unique and exciting perspective for every case. Amy is a medium, seeing and speaking to those who are no longer in the world of the living. And Steve is a retired homicide detective who uses public records and witness testimony to piece together the history of the haunted location. Each episode of The Dead Files features a different, real haunting to possibly help the family struggling with its effects. One episode on Falconer New York deals with a family who keeps waking up with scratches and bruises. They frequently witness a shadow figure lurking around their home. Amy and Steve receive their call and investigate, with Amy using her strength as a medium to understand who the presence is coming from and why it's so angry while Steve, separately, researches the history of the home, only to discover several previous residents who lived at the home died, confirming Amy's own findings. After their investigation, Amy and Steve must conclude with whether the house is safe to remain in, or if it's time to get out. I really love the deferring perspectives and skill sets between the two hosts, and I think that's why The Dead Files is a must-listen podcast for any fan of the paranormal and supernatural. Listen to The Dead Files wherever you get your podcasts. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues.
1: Some of them leaned against the trees, their frames emaciated, skin taut over bone like curing leather. The white near their mouths were stained browns and dark reds. Pill-shaped protrusions rose under their fur, slid across their bodies, and disappeared back out of sight.
0: That looks like a whole lot of wasting disease,
1: he said with a disappointed sigh. A single proud buck stepped forward from the bare brush. He grunted at our presence and stomped a hoof. (laughs) A long centipede-like protrusion came from his neck, crossed his snout, and disappeared towards his brain.
0: Is he the one that tried to fight your car? I can't say I remember the moving tumors,
1: I said as we both instinctively started inching back towards my house. The entire herd took a single unified step forward, their heads quizzically tilted as they watched our escape. A collective clomp echoed down the road. The proud territorial buck leaped toward us, landing mere feet away from the road that separated us. A skittering lump protruded near his mouth and wound its way up to his eye, pushing the soft orb from its socket and bouncing by the bundle of nerves like an unattended yo-yo. The wretched aroma of death wafted through the wind from him, the smell of rot we had expected from the corpse but was curiously absent. The mighty beast brandished his antlers in our direction and stomped his hoof. He seems like the type, Scooter said right before he spun me around and dashed along the side of the road towards my house. I was after him in the fractions of a second it took for me to realize his plan. Halfway through turning my head, I saw the stag next to us, prancing along the ditch on the opposite side.
0: Don't look at him, just keep running,
1: Scooter barked, but the buck wasn't focused on him. It didn't stare through him with hollow eyes as it bucked across the pavement like a bull fresh out of the chute. The crown of antlers stopped short of wounds but encaged my neck and face. I could see Scooter on the edge of my peripheral, stopped on the side of the road and watching with panic in his eyes. A swift jerk and the stag reared its head up in a silent roar that ushered in a fresh wave of stench. A protrusion emerged near the shoulder and scurried under the skin towards the mouth. Wet and shimmering, a large brown beetle crested over its black ruminant teeth and seemed to stare at me. Despite the trembling, I did my best to stay still. The closer I looked at the beetle, the more off it seemed. Then it hit me. It was its eyes. They weren't the black, compound eyes you would expect from an insect. These eyes were white, with a blue iris surrounding a black pupil. The tiny orbs darted back and forth as if scanning my features, the black mouthpieces and pedipalps nervously stroking each other. It leaned over the edge of the deer's foul orifice and reached for my face with its front legs attempting to board. Every bit of sense urged me to make an exit, run and risk the deer, or stay and risk the beetle. I tried to think my way through it, but my attention kept coming back to the tiny human eyes attached to the beetle and the black front legs approaching my face. My senses and reason poured back into my person as I stumbled backwards into the ditch, and the deer flipped away from me. Scooter had slipped behind it on the road, and in an adrenaline-fueled burst grabbed the horns and flipped it onto its back in the middle of the street. With aching legs, we hit my driveway, but it was not the expected safe haven. A buck and a doe, peppered with gaping wounds across their desiccated skin, stood between us and the house. Scooter gave me a shove.
0: Get in the truck, we gotta go.
1: I jumped in the passenger side without question. Scooter hit the electric lock instinctively, and from either adrenaline or nerves, his hands shook as he fumbled a heavy bundle of keys. Every missed insertion of the ignition drug years from both of our lives. Damn it! He yelled in frustration before the truck roared to life. His paw of a hand slammed the shifter into reverse, and he stood on the gas pedal. We flew into the middle of the road to be greeted by the truck shaking in a wet thud. The scooter disregarded it and shoved the truck into gear. He stood on the gas again and the truck shot off down the road. He disregarded stop signs as we sped away from the area. Siri, call the Rangers, he panted, a white-knuckle grip on the steering wheel as the heavy-duty truck barreled down the road.
0: Calling the Rangers,
1: his phone replied flatly.
0: There's a whole herd of
1: whitetails with CWD. He blurted the second they picked up the phone, distress pulling his accent out further.
0: They're gonna need to euthanize the whole herd. The brain rot's got them real aggressive. Scooter?
1: A woman's voice asked from the other end.
0: God damn it, yeah, it's Scooter. Pull the address for my first call this morning. It's over by the golf course on 28th. It's
1: just a few cases of weight.
0: They tried to gore the resident that called us and attacked his car.
1: He snapped, interrupting her.
0: We need to clear them out before someone gets hurt.
1: All right, all right. She said dismissively. I'll get the big boss on the phone and he can do his job for once. Damn
0: lazy desk
1: jockeys. He growled as he hung up the phone. So, uh, what
0: now? I don't know, man. Scooter sighed. I gotta get back to work. I really shouldn't,
1: but you can ride along, or I can drop you somewhere. I weighed my options. I just need to be home early. Can we make that work? Yeah, I reckon we can do that, he said. We can check your place after lunch. The morning with Scooter was pretty uneventful. He was a transplant from Western Kentucky. We retrieved and located a raccoon and investigated reports of a rattlesnake loose in a woman's house. It wasn't a rattlesnake. Ohio doesn't have rattlesnakes. It was her son's secret ball python. Before I knew it, we were in a drive through ordering lunch. You
0: know, you're pretty good at handling these critters, he complimented. I could put a good word in for
1: you if you want to change the scenery. It'd be fun, I agreed. Maybe if I get sick of research, I'll drop in an application. After some cajoling at the window, I managed to pay for his lunch. The truck crept along my street, Scooter and I vigilantly scanning yards and tree lines for the infected herd. We rolled into the driveway slowly, on even higher alert.
0: They probably just wandered off. Hopefully DNR responds fast since they're
1: so aggressive. Scooter broke our tension. I'm sure it's fine. They've mostly stayed away from the house. If you're ever in the neighborhood and thirsty, I have a fridge full of beer in the garage. You really saved my ass." -"I might take you up on that. If I hear
0: anything new, I'll holler at you. Your number's on file with the office."
1: Scooter said as I climbed out of the truck. -"Good to meet you, man." He was already on the road when I got to my front door. My empty house was quiet, save for the rhythmic ticking of my wife's grandfather clock. I sat down at my desk with a cold beer and closed the curtain to keep from looking outside impulsively. I clicked through the work emails I ignored while out on my field trip with Scooter. The images of the beetles underneath the deer's skin kept playing through my mind. I could feel their hooked feet under my skin, scraping at the muscle as they skittered about. A thorough inspection in the mirror nudged those thoughts to the rear, but the stag reared its head to replace them. No matter where I went in my house, the grunt of a deer was always around the corner. The stench that leaked from its body was too close to be a memory. I tried to ignore it and work on a new article about my experience with local wildlife and associated local agencies. A hollow scraping against the brick on the other side of the wall from where I sat kept breaking my concentration. I pulled the curtain to the side ever so slightly, and my view of the outside was blocked by the wet, twisted fur of the stag. I nearly fell out of my office chair. Scooter was the only person who knew I wasn't crazy. When I went to grab my phone, something smaller, hard, and slightly round was in my hand instead. Hard, wiggling little appendages scurried fruitlessly in my hand. I held my dry heaves back and slowly rotated my hand to see what it held. A black and blue-eyed beetle stared up at me from my fist. I began to yell, but the sharp sound of antlers rhythmically tapping on the window silenced me before the first explicit words could be expelled from my lips. I clenched my fist hard enough to crush the hardened stag beetle. Chunks and red goop dripped from my shaking fist to the carpet. Rounded protrusions emerged under the old wallpaper, rolling haphazardly around the wall behind my computer. I glanced down to see more bumps raising and falling under my office's old shag carpet. Every lump I stomped on let out a wet crunch, with red slowly seeping up into the carpet fibers as I frantically eliminated the invaders underfoot. I lost count of how many I crushed as the entire area under my feet stained red, but they kept coming. Every beetle banished felt like it was bigger and harder than the last. My legs ached as I kept crushing them, their paths no longer erratic but targeting me from all angles. When I felt like my legs were going to give out, I leaned on my desk chair and knocked the ongoing assault away with the wheels. A bulge in the carpet nearly the size of a basketball careened toward me from the far end of the room. Without hesitating, I shoved the chair into it as hard as I could manage and practically tumbled through the door. I rolled over as soon as I hit the hallway floor, and saw the menacing shape rolling towards me, loudly dislodging the carpet from nearby nail strips. I kicked the door shut with both feet and kept them against the door to brace against the impact. The door and frame rattled. I gasped for air, trying to catch my breath and composure. The hardwood at my back and textured paint up the walls remained still as I panted and curled into a fetal tuck. I looked up the short staircase to the front door, and a shadow loomed in the frosted glass. Slender gray tendrils tapped at the glass slowly and at a constant interval. I crawled closer, sitting up on the bottom step. I quietly slipped up to the next step, then another. The odd gray lines kept tapping at the glass. When I slid onto the tile landing, it was a little clearer. Antlers, two ears. I sat there quietly, with my realization that it was back for me. It brought a plague of beetles upon me. They blended into the speckled white wall. But then they came down the baseboards and across the brown carpet. Pouring down the walls, single file, they made a direct route for me, like soldiers on a one-way mission. I ran up the stairs, nearly losing my footings on the old slide tiles of the landing. I leapt across our small living room and landed knees-first into the couch, surveying the yard. The orange glow of the setting sun illuminated a handful of lanky, sickly deer, nosing at the ground-level windows and loafing around the yard aimlessly. The black underbelly of a stag beetle scooted across the outside of the window and stopped at eye level. It tapped its spindly black legs against the glass, alternating in a clock-like wave around its body. The junction of its legs quivered and oscillated as a jagged fissure formed down the center of its belly. A wet orb, black at first, with hazel edges pressed against the glass from the jagged tear. The eye rolled around in its makeshift socket, scouting the terrain behind me. My eyes rolled with the warm brown eye, and my thoughts drifted with the rhythmic tapping of its sturdy, chitinous legs. Insectile wings buzzed a chorus that existed just outside of my fixation. Focus returned to me when both of my eyes started burning and my nose tickled into a sneezing fit. I raked my fingers over my face. Hair. There was so much loose hair all over my face. I stumbled away from the window and made the sharp turn into the kitchen. The cold water of the sprayer washed relief over my eyes. With my vision back, the wet globs of beige and white hairs lay in the sink and clogged the drain. The white beetles were back, this time blending the walls and ceiling of the living room. Their wings beat the air furiously, dumping the short beige and white hairs from their bodies at a rate so unbelievable that piles of fur were forming on the carpet. I took a step into the edge of the living room, and a click-clack sound almost sent me to the ceiling. The wooden rail that separated the living room from the entryway was covered in maroon beetles who were shedding white stone-like fragments from under their wing cases. I did the most reasonable thing I could think of. I started smashing them with my bare hands. No matter how many of the hard and wet invaders I smashed, it felt like three more would take the place of one. Some of them were faster and latched their gnarly mandibles onto whatever flesh they could grab, all while dumping their contents onto my living room floor. The battle felt like it went on for an eternity, one man against a seemingly endless battalion of mindless kamikazes. A throaty grunt from behind me caused everything to fall into an unnatural silence. I froze. The grunt was louder the second time and followed by a thump on the floor. It was worse than not knowing. I knew what was front and center in my living room without a second glance. Another thump broke my escape planning, as if reiterating a barked demand. When I turned, I was greeted by a fan of bone-white and gore-dipped antlers. The soft beige fur of its gentle woodland face smeared with viscera, with pits lining every flat surface of its face, lotus-pod-like pits haphazardly filled with ill-fitting eyes. The beetles fell silent, and the fur and bits settled from the air. Each of the countless eyes focused on me with the purest of disdain. Its antlers swayed and danced, leaving thin lines of blood on the ceiling as they scraped against it. I began backing up into the turn of the hall. The best chance of survival seemed to be sheltering in the bathroom. The antlers seemed too big to fit through the bend in the hallway and the beast itself hopefully too big to reassemble in the small room. All the videos I watched about predatory animals kicked into the forefront of my mind. I took weary steps backwards, facing it and trying to make myself appear as large as possible. It took a few steps closer to me, and the snout of its face started to tremble and rock in different directions. The flesh flayed from the bone like a banana peel, the bone structure into four pieces and opened, revealing a writhing mass of thin black tongues. "'Hopefully DNR responds fast,' it said in a broken voice that echoed Scooter's drawl. "'No,' I stammered in disbelief. Scooter wouldn't get caught. The mutilated deer head tilted to the side as if perplexed, one of the antlers moving to the front with a gore-soaked baseball cap with the county logo on it. The exposed bone pieces rattled and fidgeted like insectile mandibles, slapping the tongues across the bone occasionally. The gnarled antlers shifted among themselves, some of them with pieces attached that looked strikingly like Scooter's extremities. The wall stopped me from retreating mindlessly anymore. I turned slightly, backing through the bathroom door. A glance to my left into the mirror was the worst punch to the gut I'd ever had. My face was mottled with small red and white beetles. My scream of terror was immediately silenced by their gangly legs, jamming into my flesh all over my body. The agony of simultaneous and innumerable wasp stings at once silenced my terror and folded me over the sink. The voice that mocked Scooter called from the living room in his familiar voice.
0: Now, now you can join us.
1: I glanced in the mirror one last time as my vision collapsed. Bright blue eyes beaming from under the red and white of the insects replaced the hazel ones that sat there before.
0: While certainly not the sole culprit, one nine nine one is one of the main causes of the phenomenon seen from coast to coast in the United States, colloquially known as the knot deer. Though most folks encountering these organisms will never know of its colonial nature, a few lucky accounts like this gave Redwood Bureau researchers a plethora of data regarding habitat and preferred hosts. Those researchers believe the colder climates that the stagus tends to use as a habitat also curb its spread and have widely kept it from overtaking local populations of deer and other mid to large sized game. The length of time that an instance of 1991 can coincide with a living person has not yet been determined, but current data suggests that once afflicted, the host will expire within hours to a single day. Despite their apparent size, the Staggis Beetles are very light in addition to being highly durable. It is very easy for a handful to hitchhike on the body of an unsuspecting victim and attack them in their den, or home in the case of Mr. Holbrook. We have never before observed the shaving and reformation behavior described near the end of his experience. It was also extremely interesting to see that that he was aware of his infection at some point, and lucid long enough to leave a record. Most cases appear to be completely blind to their ailments, until insects begin hatching from their flesh. Staggots do not often associate with humans, but the few cases the Bureau had been able to document with a human host showed them to be less hospitable for the beetles than the most common hosts, such as deer or large raccoons. However, Individual Stegas beetles that are pupated in a human host have so far been indistinguishable from their Cervati-born counterparts. The current status of Mr. Holbrook is missing. His friend Scooter is also missing. Last I heard Redwood Bureau had dispatched a representative to assist local law enforcement in recovery. At this point in the known life cycle, they can expect to find a coagulated pulp. The Bureau may be able to use dental records if the case is less severe than believed. Knowing Redwood, they would rather find human pulp than a surviving victim, as it would serve to further their horrendous research
2: report 1991
1: deactivated. I'm Josh Tomar, host of Redwood Bureau. Thank you for listening. Redwood Bureau is a horror fiction podcast and part of the EerieCast Podcast Network. For more dreadful terrors, follow Redwood Bureau on Spotify and iTunes, and check out our other podcasts like Unexplained Encounters and Freaky Folklore on your favorite podcast platform. You can find me on Twitter and Twitch under username Tomamoto, T-O-M-A-M-O-T-O, and my voiceover is featured in a wide variety of your favorite video games, anime, and other animated shows. Until next time, don't forget, this world is a strange one.